0: Welcome back to the HSE Network podcast, everyone. This week, we are joined by Andy Barker of Paradigm, who's going to take us through contractor safety and also why the term contractor may not necessarily be the best term to apply when working with people from different companies. Um, So, yeah, when we were arranging about uh, the topic to discuss on the podcast, Andy, you mentioned there are a few misconceptions around contractor safety. Do you want to chat a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I think the words that we use um, to describe things sort of they sort of set up what's going to the behaviour that follows. Mm. So I think uh, you know when I when I first joined safety, we talked about controlling contractors, and I hear that word a lot. Um, you 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 use the word managing contractors, but it it sort of implies that you know the, these these are people that are going to show up and they don't really understand what's going on. So you need to make sure you put controls in place. You need to make sure you manage them. And if, if you look at it from that angle, right, and, um, you know, I like messing about with words. I tell you what, I've come at this from perhaps even a mental health point of view, just to be completely different, right? Mm. So, you know, I, I I there's a charity called Mind that I, you know, do some really, really good work. and And they came up with the definitions of, you know, good mental health is where you're able to feel and express a range of emotions, where you feel engaged with the work in general. You're confident in yourselves. You have self-esteem. You can live and work productively. Cope with stress of everyday life and adapt and manage in times of change and uncertainty. Right? It's it sort of fits quite well. Now, what I what I feel. Um, and I should say I've been the client, I've been the consultant, you know, the managing contractor, I've been the blue-collar contractor, the service provider, so, you know, I've walked in all sorts of lives there. But if if you start substituting the word contractor with there's some people coming to help us in our business and you start seeing the individuals, as soon as you go down the route of I'm going to tell you how and I'm going to control you and I'm going to manage you, right? You're failing to see the value in that organization as they come up. And you kind of dent the pride a little bit, especially if the conversation is just kind of one way. So, so I would start with a misconception that, um, um, you know, if you start with control and manage, you're setting yourselves up with a behavior that starts with they're automatically at fault. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the way you phrased it there, even the name contractor sort of starts you off on not the wrong foot, but certainly a definitive foot. Um, and are you saying we want
1: to, I guess, bring them in a little bit more like we bring in other
0: people in the organisation?
1: Yeah. If if you can not do something yourself, you ask somebody else that's got the skills and ability to do it for you. Right. So treat them like they've got skills and ability and something to Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I've submitted lots of experience of so very very you know if you say the industry like petrochemical pharmaceutical nuclear you automatically think mature now the danger is that you think you're at the and i, I hear people talk about the supply chain like we're at the top of the food chain right it implies implies anybody further down is going to get eaten <laughs> so You know, I've worked in some of these environments where they say, well, of course, when you come to work here, you realize that we're very sophisticated and you don't understand that. Um, So, you know, the reason that you've got a problem is you don't understand the sophistication that's in in this environment. But but what you're actually uh, doing potentially is saying, I'm sophisticated in my world, which is manufacturing plastics, which is refining oil and making petrol, which is you know, generating power from nuclear. People that, you know, erect steel, dig holes, they have a different skill set. And you can't manage switching the lights on and off in the same way as you, as you manage a construction activity. So the more you try and make somebody like you and behave like you because of the environment that you've grown up in, the more you rob them of being themselves, which is what you hired them for in the first place, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got any tips on how
0: organisations can implement some of the stuff that you just discussed there? Um, I appreciate that's a bit of a broad question, um, but yeah. is there any way people can, or ma- you know, managers and leaders and organisations
1: can help to change the perception of contractors? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... Um... You know, I'm I'm a believer that you learn by listening to other people that have approached a problem in a different way or or whatever, you know. And so, so I think listening is is a is a great uh, way of understanding. You know, if you if you if you always talk, people, you know, and never listen to what people say, so you find out that they've got nothing to say to you. So, I've sat many times in the hairdryer meetings where a client has sat down and just, you know. One way, you just leave. And the more that you fill that role of, you know, the contractors, you just tell them what to do and they leave, right? The more it becomes self-fulfilling in a way. So um, I think asking the right questions, right? Um, I talk, So I'll give you an example of uh, a conversation with safety people from a client organization, safety people from a client, uh, from a contractor organization. And and I sat them down in a workshop and said, right, you've got a to do list, right? So let's go through your to do list, which was I'm going to audit and I'm going to inspect and I'm going to teach and I'm going to train and I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to from the client organization (laughs) to help you understand how it gets done here. So we went down the to do list and we asked the contractor, right, out of this to do list, what actually helps you perform more and better? And the to-do lists became shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, right? Um, so in actual fact, what we had was a to-don't list, <laughs> right? But but that process was like, oh, I just thought that doing all of these things were, were the right things to do, right? Because they came in with a management and control perspective, if you like. So listening and asking good questions about, In what way do these things help you? And being open to receiving the feedback will actually start co-creating the right sort of interface, which is, you know, you manage the hot bit. So are we safe from the hot bit when we show up? We manage the construction activity. Let's show and demonstrate how that works. And And let's meet in the middle and see and see what happens, right? So, so dialogue is the best way of understanding how what it's like to be somebody else, mm. especially as a function of your behaviour.
0: Yeah, and then you get buy-in from both sides, don't you? You know, if the, if the other person feels listened to, they're more likely to want to work proactively with you.
1: Well, that's right. And, I, I you know, we go back to what mine said, you know, feel engaged with the work in general, right? Uh, feel confident and have some self-esteem right, and adapt and manage um, in times of change. You know, the majority of work that I see contractors do are bringing change, right? It's what we do for a living. So um, if you take those away, you generate frustration and, you know, you, you, you generate anger, you generate disengagement, right? So, so giving, giving each side the opportunity to speak and say, right, Be engaged and so on and so forth. It's just a very you appeal to our human nature, right? And I think it's so. You know, I've I've worked on some pretty big, pretty big projects, right? Where it's not a contractor coming up to you know install a air conditioning unit or a piece of scaffold or paint some windows or something like that. You know, millions and billions of dollars worth, and you need. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 different organisations to provide different services to have that and sometimes we're in a different country or uh, continent or or whatever but I think you've got to recognise that every organisation deserves the right to have pride in who they are and how it is that they decided to do the work and the more you interfere and change that the more uncomfortable they feel so you start they start trying to cope with the change that you're imposing on them as opposed to the change that they're trying to bring that actually they've got the skills to do. So, you know, if, if you're not careful because you're asking them to change, to be more like you as a client, you end up with putting them in a state of trying to cope and understand how to manage that change, which takes their eye off what they're actually here to do. So, a lot of times you find that you know contractors, again, that control thing, they stepped out of line, they did something wrong, there's an error, there was an accident, and it's because of the way that you're managing your work. No, because you distracted them, because you created the problem that they are now trying to cope with, the problem's actually sitting with you, right? But it's harder to see that. It's harder to see that sometimes so um so yeah i, I think that uh, the impact understanding the impact of your decisions on a contracting organization to desire them to make make them look like you and conform and control them might actually be some of the some of the problems sometimes
0: how would you I guess bring back a relationship that might have been damaged, or a contractor, or a relationship between an organisation, a client organisation, and a contractor um, that might have turned a bit sour. How do you bring them back? Um,
1: I think um, a common ground is the basis on which all relationships are based. Right? You you try and see something that you both agree is is the right. Is the right thing to do. So you know, I, I remember uh, one one particular uh, job, although although there's many because you know conflict resolution is a day and daily thing for some people in our profession, right? <laughs> but there was one uh, one time I got a phone call saying, you know, we're we're kicking your safety manager off uh, off our job. We we don't want him here anymore. He's there. He brings doom and gloom, and he's trying to do something different, so on and so forth. But when we when we boiled it all down, it was it was just change management was was the issue. It's like we do it this way, and he's saying something else, and we do it this way, and we say something else. We say, okay, what is the principle that we're actually trying to to do here? And the principle was, you know uh, risk assessment, planning, communications, uh, you know, setting up some meetings where we could talk about work and progress and things like that. And it's just like, no, we don't do any of that. So when we boil it all down and say, well, what is it that we're actually trying to achieve by all of these, forget about the tasks and what they are, forget about the activities and the labels. What is it that we're actually trying to achieve? And it was, we're trying to understand each other and plan effective work. It's like, okay. So if that's what we're trying to achieve, what parts work and what parts don't? And we started that collaboration around one thing, around one thing. But as we both got to influence it, we both owned it. We both Hmm. gained a greater understanding of somebody else's perspective. So once you start working together on one thing and you're helpful, you need to be constructive, you need to be helpful. Right, You start seeing value in the the relationship again. And that gives you permission to bring in the next item and the next item. But I think um, what's really important is that, as I say, you find that common ground. You find that what's the important thing for us both to be working on, that we both agree is an important thing. And how is it that we can find our roles and, and operate within our roles to achieve that? And then you both own it you both implement it, hopefully you get some success out of it, success becomes a motivator, and then you go back and say, right, we can't walk away now, what's the next thing that we need to work on? Um, you know, I, I think I, I've seen, um, you know, some some cultures on in, in working environments where, you know, behaviours have been built over decades, not just weeks and months. Um, and, you know, when I when I cut my teeth in the profession, I used to hear two to five years for culture change, right? It, I've seen it happen a hell of a lot quicker than that, right? People are, are willing to bury the hatchet to move on. Where, back to what mine say, I feel engaged. You give me some pride and self-esteem. I get to influence. I get to, you know adapt manage i get something out of that i get meaning out of this and i can help again contributing to the purpose that that, that we're actually here for so i you know i've seen sites change uh, workshops change inside of 3 months wow. once once you find that common ground that you all agree is a problem and you start working on it on it together right you see the individuals and the pride that comes through it
0: does that make sense really interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, you are right on the... A lot of people do think cultural change is... Especially if it's deeply embedded, it can be a hard thing to change. But from what you said there, uh, in practice, it might be a little bit more complicated, but the principles behind getting that cultural change in place can be fairly simple.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, we sometimes don't see people in this, right? and And we... You know, if you want to generate a social following, you've got to have social intelligence, right? And that's credibility and trust and, and, and things like that. And I, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of very senior people say things like, trust me, and then they talk about some stuff, right? Everything that's going on round about it doesn't, doesn't you know, the actions that you see don't fit with, with those kind of words, and actually, a lot of, a lot of people I've heard that say, trust me, is a, what, what they're actually saying is, I want you to do what you're told, but I want to believe that you're doing it because you trust me. Mm-hmm. Right? So the real path to trust is to give it. It's just give trust, mm-hmm. right? I give trust, right? Selflessly. I'm not, I'm not wanting anything back because, you know, you as, as David... Are, are able to trust somebody because of your history of relationships with organizations, family, childhood, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. So I can't say, David, I'm going to earn your trust. All I can do is give you trust. And at some point you decide, uh, I think this guy's trustworthy, right? Mm-hmm. I think this guy's trustworthy. So I, I've kind of digressed off what the question is now and, uh, and and so on. But But I think that, you know, we need to... We need to understand that we're all human and behave like that. And people see you when when you act fairly, people are saying, well, okay, I'm going to go along with, with what it is he said, because I actually think that you're using the power of your position to fairly help. You're not forwarding a personal agenda, right? You're here to help others be successful in delivering why we're here, purpose, right? We're here to build this or demolish that or construct whatever it is and your behavior is fair in
0: in those terms. Brilliant and I think what you're very good at Andy is taking these what can sometimes be intimidating and complex subjects and really condensing them down and boiling them down to the key takeaways. Um, In terms of the key takeaways on what we've discussed today what would you say to a client organization that's looking to improve their relationship with contractors or people who have expertise that they want to bring into their organization?
1: How can they bridge the gap? Yeah, I think um, it's always, you know, if you, if you make a decision that's based on one perspective is by definition, ill-informed. So, um, you know, I get, I, I give you an an example. Um, uh, so there's some some work going on in the Middle East, um, and fatal accidents were happening year on year on year, and they were kind of they were kind of the same accident, and the contractor was being blamed for it. Um, but when you actually looked at it, a client had written a contract to say the end use of this that you're going to build is for me, and I want to be able to maintain it in a a particular way. And there was no consideration given to how the heck are you going to build it, right? So we're very familiar with maintainability, constructability, and so on and so forth. But it's still surprising how many clients will will not be influenced in the way they build contracts and, and so on by knowledge from the construction industry, if you like. So so in order to to change those behaviors, what we did is sat down with the client and said, how is it that we can bring members of the supply chain in so that they can give you the benefit? Not not in a, you know, I'm going to give you my CV so you write the job description for me, Mm -hmm. but in a way that we can influence knowledge so that when you put your proposal together, it's actually set up. So that the construction people are able to move their materials, get the people, uh, put it together in a particular way, and, and so on and so forth, because of the knowledge and skills that they bring. So I think, you know, when, when you look at um, the CDM regulations, it, it's, it's pretty obvious when you've been around the block a few times that what it's actually saying is, by the way, the client doesn't know anything, but it's in a very powerful position. So when you show up, can you please talk to them and say, do you you actually understand the implications of your decisions? And when you speak, the power that you have, because you're tugging the purse strings, right? But you might not know about construction because you're a manufacturer. So all of that CDM regulations was all about, make sure you listen to the expert. And you allow appropriate influence, but once they've set a plan and they've convinced you that it's okay, then let's just keep to the plan, right? And, and understand the deviations that, that go on. So, talking is the best. Listening, sorry, is is an opening up. Is the is the best path to understanding.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, as always, Andy. Um, where can people go if they want to reach out and get in touch or anything that we discussed today?
1: Oh, I, well, it's very easy to find people on LinkedIn uh these days so linkedin um and also the the paradigm website you know so if you want to if you want to log on to that and have a look there's webinars uh that we put on frequently and so on but uh, yeah all the usual it's never it's never hard to find anybody these days in the world that we live in right perfect thanks andy no problem cheers david